right, I really wanna talk about an amazing web series that's been out and is created by a very good friend of mine who I used to do theater with and went to high school with and she is out there in Cali chasing her dream and producing a hysterical show called Adulting. It's a web series and it pretty much borderlines on all of the kinds of things Dan and I are covering in this podcast. So it's a comedic web series about an unlikely duo, Katie and Charlie, who take their first stab at the real world together and attempt to be adults. Keyword being their attempt, just like the rest of us 20-somethings stumbling through life right now. Season one is actually already on Amazon Prime, which is amazing. I'm so proud of her. And season two releases on their website on August 9th, which is, you know, tomorrow. So check out their website, adultingwebseries.com. Follow their Instagram and Facebook, Adulting Web Series. Check it out. And we're back. Hey everyone, I'm Gabrielle. And I'm Dan. And welcome to another episode of Millenniating. Our topic today is uh, one that's very near and dear to our, um, I don't want to say hearts, our <laughs> bodies. Near, near and dear to our heart attacks. <laughs> Burnout, Burn professional out. burnout, which is something that actually, and unfortunately, a lot more of us are experiencing significantly younger than people used to experience it. Um, one of the uh, one of the big things about burnout is it's not just being found in high stressful job situations anymore. It's being found across the board in a variety of jobs. Um, there is actually an article out right now talking about how a toxic work culture is forcing high-performance people to quit. And those toxic work cultures are actually adding to the burnout rate significantly. Um, so the article says toxic work cultures make going to work feel miserable, which is so accurate. And high-performance, high performance employees are quitting those toxic work cultures because they know their strengths and they are smart enough to realize that if they can perform well in a toxic work culture, why can't I speak? I can't say work culture. So high performers know that if, if they can perform well in a toxic work culture, then they'll be able to thrive in you know, a non-one or a non-toxic work culture or a place that encourages you to be individual and grow mm -hmm. as an employee, um, which, which I think is, you know, important. Yeah, I mean, thriving is good. Uh, <laughs> go on. Um, well, then I just, I just have a couple other points about, like, what what causes what what people think are causing these toxic work environments because it's not always the job mm -hmm. um and I, I i'm feeling it i've been a nurse two years and i'm already feeling incredibly burnt out and um it's not just the job at hand but it's also sometimes the environment that i end up having to work in and um i'm not taking like a direct shot at any of my other nurses, coworkers, you know, or other staff, or the doctors, or whatever. There, are, there's a lot that goes into the interdisciplinary care of a hospital. And some days it's going to be one group, and some days it's going to be another. But um, the the feeling of burnout that I'm having 
you know, it, it was to the point where these last couple weeks I've been going into each shift dreading it, no matter what the shift was, no matter who my coworkers were, no matter if I had the same patients back or not, whatever it was, I was just absolutely dreading it. Um, and nursing's a career that I really, really like, so experiencing that feeling was unnerving for me. I, yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, I've been teaching since the 2014-15 school year and I have gone through burnout in so many different levels that this year at the end of it um, I just I had decided to leave my school and I have not even put a resume out for another school um, I am like I'm looking to take a year off I'm putting resumes out in other in other fields just to like get a year of something else and have time to even go back and like write out plans that I had meant to write down or like make materials for a lesson that I wanted to teach but never had time to like sit down and really do it justice so when when you're experiencing burnout and you have a million things to do it just piles on it becomes really hard to do anything yeah and it used to take i feel like you know burnout's usually something you only talk about of people who've been in a job 10 plus years it doesn't matter if they've been at the same company but usually it refers to people who have been mm -hmm. doing it a really long time and you know now like i said like i have uh you know i speak to a lot of nurses who wind up switching departments or fields or going back to school mm -hmm. solely because they need a break from what they've been doing for so long. They just need it to be different. When you're in a field that you, um, where you're giving so much of yourself and your energy and your heart to other people constantly, it is really tough to, to recharge that every night. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a lot of professions. It's nursing, mm -hmm. it's teaching, it's, um, it's counseling, it's psychology, it's psychiatry, it's... Even entertainment. Oh my, there's just, you know, it's not, uh, like, you know, there are, there are some desk jobs where that's what it is. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, that data entry and that confusion and all that stuff, that's all really important. Mm -hmm. um, but that personal level of interaction that some people have on their other jobs is just so taxing. Um, and... What uh, the the obvious to stick with the structure that we've been using the obvious harm of burnout is you know that it's driving away these high performance workers, which is how environments start giving out less good customer service is what we'll refer to it as. That sentence that I just formulated was such good English. Ugh, so We're gonna listen to that Grammatically correct. Um, Put that one on a loop. <laughs> my sister is going to be like, ah, ah, my sister's an English teacher. So, um, but you know, and then when you drive out the people who really care about the job and really put the effort into the job, it's just going to decrease how, like how well your quote unquote customers are like the, um, what they're getting mm -hmm. from you. Yeah. The quality. That's the word I was the quality goes down if the people providing it aren't uh, at their their peak, their right. top uh, performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, in 
in our environments specifically, teaching and nursing, um, I, f I feel like initially a lot of the burnout comes from family members. And if you've ever had a sick family member, it's crazy stressful for you. It is. You're worried about them. It doesn't matter what kind of illness they have, how long they've been in the hospital, if they're at the hospital, if they're at home, it doesn't matter. I understand that, you know, when you have a sick family member, it's, it's emotionally taxing on you also. You know, you're worrying about them, you're stressed about them, maybe you're the one putting in the time and effort to take care of them, or you're the one going to the hospital to visit them and all that stuff. And, you know, and then with teachers, it's, it's your child, you know, of course the parents are concerned about how well they're doing and if their, their child isn't doing well in school or getting good grades or, you know, is having poor social interactions or, you know, you worry and it, it affects you also, which is why people come and they talk to the nurses or they talk to the teachers and we want that because we want to be on the same page as you as to what your goals are for your child or your family member, etc. But what a lot of family members and parents either intentionally put aside or just way too frequently forget is that their child or family member is not the only person in the class or in the hospital. And there is not a single classroom or hospital or medical facility where you get one-on-one -on -one experience for longer than an hour. No teacher teaches one child longer than maybe an hour to two hour private session of mm -hmm. tutoring, right? Right. No nurse, no unit assigns one patient to one nurse, even in ICUs. They have one to two patients depending on the severity. Mm -hmm. And even if you only have that one patient, there is wires and machines and programming and verifications that they have to go through to make sure that that care is being delivered properly. And, and it's so frustrating when you are clearly taking care of somebody else and something non-emergent comes up and you're jumping down that caretaker's throat, which happens a lot, don't you think? So give me an example. So like in nursing, for example, one of like the bare minimum things that I've actually had people like, um, that I've had people like really complain about, you know, um, that is just like totally minimal base, you know, is like, um, is patient positioning, which is a very important thing in nursing. If you have a patient who's down, you know, you turn a patient every two hours, you don't want them to get bed sores, right? Mm -hmm. I work in a neurological department, okay? So these patients aren't totally mentally intact all of the time. So sometimes they're hyperactive and they move in certain positions or they're down on one side. So in trying to switch positions, they end up in a different position, et cetera, et cetera. And it doesn't always look the best. Sometimes it makes them look really disheveled. And I've had family members come out to me at like three o'clock in the afternoon and be like, has anybody seen my mother laying like that? Or, you know, or, or my father's blanket is on the floor, you know, or like, why is their pillow under their arm and not under their head? You know, is anybody looking at them? And it's like, yes, I have. Believe it or not, your family member is also a person and capable of doing things. You know, just like when, don't you ever have, I mean, my sisters complained about this, you know, you have a student who doesn't hand in their homework and then the parents like, 
why is their brain so bad? I study with them all the time. And you're like, yeah, they're getting A's on their tests, but they're not handing in shit. Uh, I mean, in my personal experience, I, as a music teacher, I don't experience that as much oh, as other people. Yeah, no, I'm a, like a special subject teacher. So, um, no, my experience with parents is not in an overbearing sort of way. I haven't really... Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, I haven't had that. I've heard the stories. I've talked to teachers. Um, you know, the, the teachers come up and warn you, like, yeah. you got to talk to this kid's parent. Make sure you uh, you talk to them in this way or, like, Whew. because they, they've had bad experiences with them. I usually don't have... I can't even think of an example of a bad experience with a parent. Oh, that's good. Um, that's really good. And I think part of that is because... I have always approached a parent in the way of, like, I want your kid to be successful. Right. And usually if you are talking to someone in that that positive way, they pick up on that pretty fast. So, like, even if a parent is, like, high energy when they come up to you, like, they de-escalate really fast if they know that you're, like, on their kid's side. Right. Um, my... My burnout more so would come from the non-responsive parents. Um, and the first school I was at for, for two and a half years um, was an inner city school. And getting in contact with some of those parents was like running a marathon and tripping before you got to the finish line. Like you were exhausted and nothing came of it. Nice. There was there would be parents that you would get on the phone mm -hmm. um, and they would be distracted the whole time they were talking to you for wow. many different reasons, but um, they they would just be like, uh-huh, 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 and then nothing would change. Mm -hmm. Or there would be the parents who you had 10 phone numbers and none of them connected. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, that happens at every school with some parents. Happens but with us, too. We've yeah, had patients who've, like, refused to give all information. Mm -hmm. They just want to be cared for and leave. Well, and when you have that with a kid, like, you, you're you trying to be part of a team. Mm -hmm. um, and the parent has to be part of that team. And if the parent is not on the same page, then the kid understands that and they will try and get away with anything that they can which is i think it's so funny because like you just said right like the kid understands that there oh, isn't this connection between two members of the team mm -hmm. and they can take advantage of it and i feel like it's the opposite in medicine right i feel like some people i mean they obviously know that it's doctors and nurses and specialists and all, all working together but like there are some things that I just can't fix, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, the doctor's round at a certain time and they have a way that they do their schedule and they set up meetings with families and blah, blah, blah. I cannot make them magically appear in the middle of the day, you know, just because you happen to be here now, mm -hmm. you know? And we set up family meetings or if people are in the day before or they call the day before and they're like, what time do the doctors come around so I can make sure I'm there, you know? And like, that is so appreciated. Because you're planning ahead, we're working together as a team to figure out how to get you there. I can't, I can't make things magically, magically appear unless it's like water or juice. That I can, you know, pull mm -hmm. out of a hat. But like, 
those those things aren't my responsibility and i think i think that's another huge factor at least for nurses that becomes part of this burnout is we wind up doing so many people's jobs or they think that we do all of the jobs and we really don't or you know some of the other jobs aren't necessarily supporting you the way that they they should be you know and i don't necessarily mean my text you know there there are always days that like oh a medication's not upright or the stock room is missing this thing and stuff and sure it might seem like a minor thing that day but if it happens every single day you work it makes my job harder, you know? And then, of course, I can't give your family member optimal care if I don't have the materials to do it. But again, that's not, it's not always my fault, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not always my fault that when you called that call bell, it took 10 minutes for somebody to answer you, you know? Because we might have been in another room with a respiratory emergency, you know? And I feel like a lot of people forget those other factors when looking at one person you know i think it works the same way in customer service you know how many how many karens are yelling at teenagers who don't even want to be doing that job when literally the only point of their job is to ring up the shirt you're trying to purchase put it in a bag and give it to you they don't control the sales or the coupons or your ability to return things you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's like why are you screaming at them you know uh, there, uh, there are a lot of people that do that. Yeah. Um, and I think that, at least conversationally, that is a generational gap. The Big time. The, it, there are studies right now that I've been reading. I wish I had them pulled up. Maybe I can find them and link to them later. But um, I recently read one that, that pointed out that millennials approach things much differently in a customer service aspect than the previous generations um and it it was highlighting that more so than not our generation approaches things more calmly mm-hmm. um and we aren't we don't try and like i think the word they used was punish the employee in order to get something for ourselves right um which i have seen so many times but i have not experienced it from anyone in our generation it's like it's like don't shoot the messenger yeah you know what i mean partially i think it's because our generation has gone through a lot of those fields we've we kind of had to work four of them at the same time (laughs) (laughs) i mean i i was i had to i was selling clothes while teaching i was a server while babysitting while coaching Mm -hmm. um i served at banquet halls restaurants um i never did fast food but i did i did chain restaurants a couple times or the one time and the other time it was like little restaurants but you know and and yeah it's it sucks to get treated you know especially and this is the other thing I understand that not everybody in our generation or the generation below us have the best attitudes about some of these things. Yeah. If you're a server and you're walking up to a people's table for the first time and you're like, hey, my name is Tom, like, what do you want to drink? You know, instead of, instead of being like, you know, hi, my name's Tom, I'm going to be taking yeah, care of you today, app. what can I get for you? Being pleasant. Right. Like, 
if you approach it pleasantly you should get pleasant response in return you know what i mean and and in the cases where they approach it poorly it's a little bit more understandable for the other person to come off brash but you know me personally i put a lot of effort into my work you know what i mean like i will get stuck in a patient's room for hours if necessary you know to make sure that i do it appropriately that i explain everything i can to the family member and the care is optimized etc etc so when i spend two hours in one person's room because they had a blowout and you know the sheets need to be changed and now their iv needs to be redone and reattached and all this stuff and it takes me you know an extra 10 you know it takes me 10 minutes longer than it should have to set up your my other patients lunch like it's it's a priority thing you know and then to get yelled at for not opening their lunch tray quick enough is it's very frustrating you know yeah i don't think that this is like uh words i don't think that this is just any one job it goes across every job right now right there's absolutely this, there's this mis misbalance that is not being uh effectively treated right now and mm -hmm. it, it's probably been there for longer than we realize yeah but currently there i i define it as two things there is a professional need and professional need i basically define as money mm -hmm. you have this professional need that you are paid for the work that you do mm -hmm. and there is a fulfillment need that you have some stake in what you're doing yeah. and you have a personal fulfillment that he, that drove you to this field and has encouraged you to keep going in it now when those one or both of those are off balance that is my that's where I see the seeds of burnout start. Mm -hmm. If you go into a field because you have these dreams of doing well in it, you have these dreams of helping people with it, um, that's your fulfillment. If you're not getting the result you want because of factors outside of your control, then you start to experience this burnout. You mm -hmm. start to become disheartened with what is happening. Um, for me, in big time in the big first few time. years of teaching, a lot of teachers experience this, but especially, I mean, I was in the, when you're in an inner city school and you aren't used to the culture and you don't understand all of the things you're learning as you go, there are a lot of classroom management issues that pop up constantly. Kids' behavior, parent behavior, uh, faculty behavior sometimes, like gossip in the workplace. That's a huge um, point I want to talk about next. So that like the, the first thing you experience if you start to like teach in an area like this is a, it's a dent to your fulfillment. Mm -hmm. you, you are not getting the fulfillment you thought you were gonna go in, you had all these plans, you had uh, this classroom management plan, you were gonna lead with positivity and if the kids didn't respond, they could come in and fill out these detention packets that helped them like, like, figure out what the issue was and create like you have a sit down in a one-on-one -on -one where you talk to them about what they really wanted to learn in your class and you lead it with it back into the positive and you have all of this planned 
and then you have a kid that, for a reason you have no idea about, stands up and flips a chair, yeah. and just screams, and you have no idea why. They didn't say anything beforehand. People weren't talking to them. Mm-hmm. Maybe someone looked at them silly. Like it's, or maybe something happened that morning and they've been stewing over it. Or maybe that kid just had so much energy at one point and they didn't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. Like, and then you are instantly in this crazy situation that you have to deescalate. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it crazy. gets <laughs> to you fast. Like, very, very quickly. Um, and then you call home and the phone doesn't connect and then you're so then you're like what do you do and then your principal's like what did you professionally do you're like well i tried this and this and none of it worked and they're like well then you didn't do enough right exactly instead of being like okay well now i'm escalating this to you as the principal to help me out because i've done what i needed to do mm-hmm. they're like oh well try again and you're like where's my support right well or tell me what you think I should do next. Like, give me right. some something else to do. Right. And I think what you said about, you know, gossip in the workplace, that's another huge factor of burnout that I want to talk about is mm-hmm. the toxicity that people cause, that your coworkers cause in an environment that makes you want to leave. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily because it's, their act their behavior is stopping you from being able to complete your job but it takes out the ability to gain that fulfillment like you said and when you're usually when you're in a career and not a stepping stone job you know like like my idea of a stepping stone job for most teenagers is like you know at a fast food restaurant or you know your local smoothie store or whatever but for other people that's their business that's their business, you know, that's their managerial position. They've been working up the chain. They've been getting their raises, you know, like some of these things are a lot more important to other people than they are to you. And that's okay. But that doesn't mean because it's more important to them that you can perform shittily because of it. And it also doesn't mean that you should spread your misery. I think what way too many people don't think about and I tell this to all of the nursing students that I see and new nurses and stuff is if you're miserable making other people miserable is not going to make you less miserable Mm -hmm. it's just gonna make everybody else around you miserable too and everybody says misery loves company but most work environments require some sort of team effort And so when the whole team is miserable, your misery is going to get worse. Yeah. So we are, one of our goals of this podcast is, as we've said before, to focus on the positive and we just spent about 25 minutes venting. So let's let's switch this up because I mean, there's no reason to bring this up if we can't get something good out of it. Mm -hmm. So, which I have, um, on on my end, I think, I think one of the positive things that comes out of burnout is, is this self-actualization or self-realization of how much you can do, how badly you want to do it, and that either A, you deserve better, or B, you need a break. And sometimes burnout can really cause that realization of just how much you can actually spend of yourself before it's too much 
And, you know, I'll give you my personal example, which is obviously I'm a nurse. The last month and a half or two months of work for me has been crazy stressful. And it's a variety of things, you know, it's not just the specific job. And, you know, I talked to my higher ups about how I've been feeling this way and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I have this week off, you know, in the month of August that I'm looking forward to and I don't have a vacation plan, but I took the week because I knew that this summer I would want some sort of week to just chill and enjoy myself and enjoy the summer. You know what I mean? And um, it was getting to the point at work that I was so stressed out by everything that I was having heart palpitations and I wasn't feeling good and I was close to breaking down very frequently over minuscule things and um, I wound up going to the doctors just for something totally unrelated just like a checkup with one of my specialists and they took my blood pressure and I was like very hypertensive um, my blood pressure was really high and my blood pressure has never, ever been high in my lifetime. I've always had a low blood pressure and a low heart rate. Um, and so when I saw that number, I really panicked and it was because of how stressed I've been, you know, I, I have been so mentally and physically overworked that now I am having a physiological reaction to what's going on and that happens to everybody and not always in the form of hypertension but sometimes in the form of physical fatigue or muscle spasms or migraines or breakdown you know and um my burnout forced me to see that and to start doing more things for myself and to stop taking on so many tasks at work because it's just too much for me. And um, that realization has helped a lot for me. My blood pressure is back down to a normal range, which is really important. I was super panicked mm -hmm. about that. And now I, you know, I feel better. I feel better because now on my days off, I'm doing more things that I want to be doing. Or, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not picking up extra things at work that I can't be picking up, you know, just because I want it to look good. You know, if I can't, I can't. And I've had to be honest with myself about that you know yeah I had a very similar thing where I uh, was having uh, in my first two years of teaching I was having two big symptoms <laughs> the one that is terrifying was sleep paralysis oh that's scary at least once a week <gasps> Oh my god. Yeah. And it's happened to me once in my lifetime and I never oh. want it to happen again. Once a week and the symptoms are different. Every time. <laughs> yeah. It, there's a lot of crazy stories from that. So sleep paralysis, that's that's one. Don't ever want that to happen again. But during my waking hours, I was having tachycardia, which is when your heart rate decides to just jump very high very high so like very high. i'm talking like 180s yeah like workout um, level high like high intensity workout level high. yeah but you're sitting in a car Crazy. on a highway and you can't pull over because <laughs> there's no shoulder and you're not running but your heart is racing like you are so i um 
I was dealing with that by keeping brown paper bags in my car. Oh, damn. <laughs> and I was, because I had like a three-hour commute at one point to my three different jobs. Oh. I had like an hour one, hour one, hour back. Um, so I was, yeah, it was, if I had it on the highway, I would just like breathe in and out of the <laughs> bag. I'm sure there were people that were driving I was next just to me say, could you that imagine? looked over at some point could and saw imagine? me with one hand on the steering wheel and the other hand breathing in and out of <laughs> at one point i i know for a fact that it was a dunkin donuts bag because i had gotten breakfast there <laughs> you were just tasting and then it. that afternoon like when i was on my way to my second job i had like a freak out for I, it, your brain doesn't even tell you. It's not like no. you're having crazy thoughts or anything. It just di- happens. You just, like, you had sleep paralysis, and your body's run down, and you just, all of a sudden, your heart rate's at 180, and you can't, like, catch your breath. <laughs> so, at one point, at the worst of it, um, one of the symptoms of really high blood, blood pressure slash heart rate is that you can have blurry vision. Yep. So at one point I was driving and my vision started to blur. So I pulled over and called an ambulance. Oh my God. Um, they brought me in and they, they did tests and they were like, well, you're not having a heart attack. I was like, that's good. <laughs> that's good. That's good. And, uh, they, so I had to wear a monitor to see if like this was a, a an electrical problem in my heart mm-hmm. or if it was something else. Right. And it, luckily I wore, I wore like. A six-week monitor. Ew. They're annoying, too. They are. They're They're not very fun. Um, They're not fun. They're not light. They're not easy. It's, like, multiple cords. Yeah. It's never just... Even if, like, they've made the pack smaller. Yeah, I was going to say, like, they've made the pack smaller, so now it's just, like, a little purse so you can put it in your pocket, but there's always cords. Yep. And they're... Yeah, they do stick. Um, Fresh wax. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I had, I had little circles on my skin for months. I can't lie to you. Like, that whole paper bag thing in the car is just, like, awful. But I can just imagine you, like, needing to lean over and doing it, and you just it just causing you to slow down a little bit, and then an asshole like me driving around you, like, watch this idiot doing, and then leaning into the car and seeing this young <laughs> adult like... panicking into a brown bag, and then just feeling like an asshole for it, and being like, oh, I'm so sorry, buddy, like, as I'm driving past you. It was definitely, like, something that helped lighten the mood that, like, other people can see me do this. <laughs> it's funny. It is, um, you know? And, and, and those health risks, I think... Too many people don't think about. I didn't even. I did not even think about it when I first started telling people that I was feeling that way. You know, because mm-hmm. it was just a mental feeling. I thought, mm-hmm. and then I found out that it wasn't, and it forced me to be like, "Oh shit! Like I can't do this. I like I don't want to have to go on medication for something that's just stress induced." Yeah. Um. I I worked with a few people, but there was one comes to mind there was a teacher who taught kindergarten and she was on during just during the school year she was on blood pressure medication because as soon as the school year was over her blood pressure returned to normal and that should not be how it is Mm -mm. it shouldn't be like school like not just school systems but you know like all jobs should be created in a way that they 
they don't cause stress-induced health issues. You know, right. there's always health issues associated with whatever you're doing. And just, just living today causes a stress-induced health issue. But you know what I mean. And, yeah. um, but then at the same time, if you're, if you at least can acknowledge that there are these health issues that come from it, mm -hmm. then your employer should provide you with the best of health care. And that was a big contention at the time, especially. It's a huge while, issue. While, like, teachers' contracts all over the place are trying to cut health care or get teachers to contribute more to it or mm -hmm. lower the, the quality of it. Um, and it's not healthy. There no. are so many things, even just the amount of people you're exposed to mm -hmm. and the amount of germs you come in contact with, like, teaching is a, an unhealthy like work environment just oh my with God. because there's so many people in the same building let me interrupt you with a side side story real quick just 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 talking in general about like unhealthy environments in reference to like germs and stuff mm -hmm. like that we have a rule in our hospital building it's, it doesn't apply to every floor in every hospital ever but we don't we usually don't let kids under the age of 14 up onto the unit and for some reason people think that that's because you know, we just don't want kids up there. It's not. This is a hospital. Right. We have people with pneumonia, C. diff, the flu, mm. MRSA, like everything. So, no, we don't think you should bring your four-year-old up to visit grandma. We understand this is sad, mm -hmm. but her roommate just had an operation and that site's infected. And while it's not bad enough that your grandma's going to get sicker, the four-year-old might. That, and also, the four-year-old is... Might bring germs in. Yeah, a, mm -hmm. a four-year-old does not know how to properly wash their hands. Toddlers are germ balls. I mean, they just, they're not there yet. Mm -hmm. They're not cognitively in charge of keeping themselves clean enough for a hospital. Mm -hmm. And they are at play dates with other kids. They're... they're Younger people experience more interaction at a physical level. Like mm -hmm. you, if we go to dinner with people, we you might shake a hand or something, but normally you're just touching your I silverware know. and plate. Right. Kids play tag. Kids <laughs> play clapping games. Kids eat dirt. They touch the ground. Like they 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 do more physical things just for play right. than we would as adults. Right. And they don't have the neuroses that say, oh, I just touched that. I need to wash my hands 10 times. Right. And like some of these points, it's, it's like if people would just, just think past the, the moment they're existing mm -hmm. in, you know what I mean? Like if, how is what I'm going to say going to affect the outcome right so maybe you complain to me about something right it's off your chest you've said it maybe i fixed the issue but maybe the way you said it is going to make me go out there and it's going to change my demeanor for the way that i work with another patient and then another family member comes and says something mm -hmm. to me and then if it takes me too long to fulfill your request i'm going to get anxious about going into your family member's room at all etc it's just like this crazy chain oh, it takes out your fulfillment you're not just helping people you're also getting 
like basically attacked for trying to do your job the right way. Right. So now another side of all of this is, is with burnout forcing high performers to leave, mm-hmm. it causes a lot of new employees to exist in work environments, which is great because it means fresh blood, high energy. They're not experiencing these feelings just yet, usually. But it also then puts a lot more pressures on them because the people who are experienced and could do things faster or help teach them a more efficient way aren't there anymore. Mm -hmm. Or they're there, but they don't have the energy to teach this new person. They have too much on their plate. So... Or it causes faster burnout. Right. That and or because they're brand new at it, some people don't give them enough time to properly learn how to do the job. That's why there are orientations on different jobs. And that actually came up in the article, um, you know, not only for new people who are just learning their role, but sometimes people do end up in a job that's not that's not really meant for them. You know, like some people end up in nursing and switch to something else or mm-hmm. end up in teaching and switch to something else. And that's totally fine. But then what happens is sometimes people around them talk down to them because they're in the wrong role. I've seen it. I've seen it a bunch. And it's like, you know, it's um, the article says, uh, people who are who are underperforming are called all sorts of nasty names and treated unfairly. They're seen as stupid or not good at business. And in thriving cultures, in a non-toxic work environment, everybody else steps in to help them, mm-hmm. to teach them appropriately and lift them up to a level mm-hmm. so that you can all work together and continue to go, which is great and that's how it should be. And not everybody treats it that way. No. And it's, I, you know, I, I mean, like, I have, um, I have, you know, an old coworker of mine who everybody just treats, just treated her awfully because she wasn't great at what she did, but she meant everything so sincerely and was truly trying. It's not like she was just like, oh, I'm not good at that and didn't do her job fully. You know what I mean? And, like, it's not... Again, making that person miserable is not going to make you less miserable. If you help them and make them better at what they're doing, it'll help you. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Um, so what are things we can do to improve, right? So, I mean, I think one of the things that we're seeing come out of this is, um, one, these discussions are being had with employers who are trying to turn their, their business around um, and it's getting to the point where people are saying, like, stop trying to put a tennis table, like a table tennis thing in the break room so that people have a chance to, like, you know, play during break. That's not what's the pro- what the problem is. <laughs> like, talk to your employees and actually, like, if you're the boss, go in and help and experience what happens on a day in Mm -hmm. the office and see, oh, that really is a problem that we should be addressing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there are places that are getting praised for doing this. Big time, Um, big time. Even um, like Amazon's been called out for a lot of things recently, but they have been making changes to some of their warehouses. Mm -hmm. Are they done? No, but they seem to be listening. Right. and these kinds of things take time. They do. And you can't start the clock on change until you've mentioned what needs to be yeah. changed. The other thing behind getting the 
building up the courage to mention it is there is an appropriate way to mention it. Don't run it into your manager's office and be like, look, Ashley keeps breaking this and she doesn't do anything right and she just needs to go. Right, no, you have to You know, to you be... can go in and be like, look, listen, I think so-and-so maybe, have, maybe needs more orientation time or, you know, maybe like an in-service or a skills class or something. I feel like they're really struggling here and maybe we can fix yeah. this. Or like, hey, none of us teachers have pens, which is usually, <laughs> you know, the way it goes, right? Can you please supply more of them? Which doesn't happen, but like you're not going to get those things or start the process of change unless somebody brings it up. Yeah, and I think one of the important things to to help with this is like, you know, we we've been venting most of this time. Yeah. But it's healthy in a way, but if you are venting to people, you have to come out of it with a solution. Yeah. You cannot just vent and put your emotions on someone else and then not do anything about right, it. Right, right. Like, if you're venting and you're going to talk about your position, how you don't like it, mm-hmm. then figure out what you really need to need changed in your job and mm-hmm. go talk to your employer about it. Right. And if it's not going to change and it's really what you need, mm-hmm. then you need to find a different job or a different place of work. Like, you, you do not have to keep yourself stuck yeah and and for the record i have taken that initiative at work since i'm the one since i'm sitting here complaining so much Mm -hmm. you know i've had a lot of conversations with uh, mainly my nurse educator um and i had that sit down conversation with her telling her that i was starting to feel this way and one of the things she's told me was well you know she sat down with me and was like well why aren't you a nurse you know and i was like you know I said the generic thing where it's like, well, to take care of people, you know, that's, I'm a very compassionate, empathetic person. And I like, I like to be that sunshine or do something that puts that smile on their face. You know, they're in a miserable situation, mm-hmm. you know, and, and she, you know, she'd said to me, she was like, we can't fix everything instantly, but like, go spend time with your patients. You know, mm-hmm. like if your coworkers don't need help with something, go sit in a room for a little bit talking with them. Get get back to what it is that you got into this job for. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing that a little bit more often at work and like making the time to do it and, and it helped. Yeah. And now I, I'm taking this vacation and I'm doing more self-care things at home because I've recognized that I'm having this issue. And while yes, a lot of time it is a systemic issue, it's also a me issue that I need to do things to try to change. Like mm-hmm. like you said, you know, there needs to be some sort of action. And I can't do all of it at work. A lot of it I have to do personally. And so I've been taking that initiative to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we encourage all of you listeners and family and friends who happen to hear this message. It's what we encourage too. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you're feeling burnout with your job, then you need to look at why and what can change. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes the answer is, go find a new job yep. or in my case right now, like I am planning to take this year in a different profession or go a different direction. Um, but I still definitely plan on getting back to music education. I just, at the end of the first five years, I could not see myself doing another year and being happy with it the whole time. Right. It's when you're struggling for those small moments of happiness mm-hmm. and you can't just like relax and enjoy what you're doing then then something's wrong 
But right. I need, I'm taking this time to figure out what it is. Like, and that's, and like what you just said, like you can't take time to relax and enjoy what you're doing. You should not be at the bar Saturday night with your friends panicking about what's going to happen at work on Monday. Right. Like you are not there, you know? And if that's something that you're experiencing, you need to like take, take a minute. Reflect. Right. Whether, whether you reflect by yourself or by venting to a friend or a family member or a therapist, that's why I think venting so good. You know, sometimes when you say, it can be. yeah, sometimes when you say but it can be destructive, it can be. Destructive. I mean, you can become that person that Constantly brings everyone's it. mood down because you're just focusing on negativity. Right. But also sometimes on the flip side of that, and I've experienced that where like, mm -hmm. you know, on both ends. And, and if I've, your friends tell you you're doing that, then you need to figure out why you you're, them out, why, right? why you can't find some positivity. And I'm sure I've done that to people too. I've been at some really, uh -huh. you know, dark points in my life, but you know, on, on the, the opposite end of it, sometimes saying what you're thinking out loud makes you hear it. And yeah. you're like, Oh, and I'll be totally honest, I see a therapist, I go every other week, and, like, that's a lot of what we do, you know? Like, I, I quote-unquote vent, we talk about things, and then sometimes I'll say something, and I'll realize, like, oh, I see where, like, I see where my thought process went with that. And sometimes, you know, my therapist has to be like, all right, hang on, let's, let's rewind that sentence, let's stop here. Mm -hmm. And let's take the other route of that and see what we can do this way. And it's it's brought me a lot of self-confidence in being able to handle these situations on my own. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and specifically in reference to burnout, that's what that's what more people need to be doing now. We need to we need to take a moment to look at ourselves and what's going on around us and saying and asking ourselves what do we need what can we do how can we change it and if we can't what's our next option yeah so quick uh relating this to other generations i don't know if we we don't have enough data yet to relate this to gen z most of them are not to gen z are, no. they're just getting into the workforce right. and uh honestly i the this issue in the media's eyes is a very millennial issue very millennial. this was not something people talked about mm -mm. before and i think here's my here's my main view on that i think the baby boomers and gen x saw some some of the most uh economically prosperous times in this country mm -hmm. and i think what I think basically my, my earlier point of fulfillment and professionalism, like mm -hmm. monetarily especially, comes into play with the generations before us. And my view on it is if you could be at a job that you didn't necessarily enjoy, mm -hmm. but you made enough money that you could go home mm -hmm. and you, had a, you could start a family with a house. And a and, life you wanted. And you had food on the table. Mm -hmm. I think that was enough for a lot of people it was bringing people a sense of fulfillment in a right. different department and now our generation is facing that problem where if we don't get a job that can give us all that we're not we're not getting some people aren't getting fulfillment 
in either end of that life well the personal or career yeah a lot of the jobs now that even pay enough for you to have a family are the type of jobs that are so stressful that you don't have the emotional capacity to go home and do any of that big time i think i think the other thing between our two generations is you know like i said earlier i feel like a lot of you know baby boomer baby boomer parents you know like our parents mm -hmm. are they're some of them are being more supportive of that of that gap year or okay well you know like i know one of the big things my parents said to me when you know when i initially started college and i was trying to decide what i really wanted to study in which was between entertainment and nursing mm -hmm. you know they they were honest with me about how it would pay off but then they also said you know do what makes you happy but you also you also got to support yourself here you know and yeah. they supported me and you know as long as um but i think the millennial opportunity to do different things is greater you know I feel like back during the baby boomer time, it was like you started that job and that career. And in order to switch careers, it took so much more than it does now, you yeah. know, and they just kind of sucked it up till they could retire. But now we're all thinking about how we might not even see a retire. <laughs> well, that's the other thing I was going to, I was going to bring up with just monetary monetarily, like, we have seen like we were we were brought into the workforce and the education world at the turn of the the economic meltdown in 2008 yeah so when we had that mini depression basically what that showed us was we do the economy is not getting better for us mm -hmm. and even at this point even though it's recovered it does not look like it's going the direction it needs to go for us to retire with the same amount of security and at the that our parents time. had during the years we were being raised. Yep, there are so, even some of our parents like I don't. Well, they're not. They're getting to retirement age and they're having some difficulties difficulty with now. retiring. Here's mm -hmm. the difference: they experienced the comfort, more comfortable years when they were raising children. True. And we are at the point where we should be getting to the point where we can be in a relationship that have, and have kids. And comfortable. And I can't even imagine affording, I can barely afford myself. Mm -hmm. uh, we, uh, we really want to get a dog and we just can't. Yeah. We just How can't. do you afford the vet bills? Yep. And, and pet insurance and Let alone food time and... to be home with them. Yeah. I mean, granted, it's, you know, people are like, oh, it's just animal and it's a little different with cats, but like, you know, animals. It's thousands of dollars a year. Yeah, and you're their whole life. Uh -huh. So no, it would not be fair of us to get and train a dog and then leave it here by itself for 10 hours a day for multiple days a week, you know, right. and that's just not, you know, and that's, that is something that general. Now, I will also admit from right now you know the get-go here is um economic fluctuation is not my specialty i only really see it in the way that it affects people around me mm -hmm. and us you know what i mean like i see what's instantly portrayed i don't know the fine details of that well i think um, a lot of our generation shut that off we oh, people mm -hmm. looked at it and said i can't trust the banks, mm -hmm. I can't trust the stock market, mm -hmm. and I can't trust social security. Mm -hmm. So why spend my time on that learning it? 
mm-hmm. I basically looked into it and went, I can't afford not to know what I'm doing mm-hmm. because some, I don't make enough. So I, right. I'm teaching myself and using YouTube and the internet and articles to learn about how the stock market works and learn about investing. Like I have a, a 403B started. I have money in stocks to some degree, not much, but right. like. And reflecting on that to relate it back to the burnout, this economic status is, you know, there are going to be a couple different types of people. There's going to be you who look into it and there's going to be me who bases everything based off of my paycheck. You know what I mean? Like right. I know how many hours I have to work to get a certain size of my paycheck despite taxes. And that's what I shoot for bi-weekly or bi-monthly or whatever. And I just based on that. Um, but the stress of that is feeding this burnout rate, you know, because we feel like we have to pick up more hours or a second job to be able to support ourselves in what's not a very stable Yeah, that's just to, just to stay afloat, not even just save. Like. Right. So then when you add poor clients, I'm going to call them clients, whether they're students or patients or whatever. So when you add the poor attitude of clients or their relatives, and then a toxic environment from your fellow co-workers, and then no support from the management above you who are supposed to be helping you, you're getting a generation of people who aren't sleeping at night because they're stressed about waking up in the morning to go to this job to be able to get money to pay off the loan that they got to work this job. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you've got a whole generation of people who don't want to work. And it's strictly because it is too stressful. And that's burnout. And that's burnout. (laughs) It has nothing to do with hating the job. It's just too... No, it's it's everything. It all mixes together until you feel like you just can't do it. Yeah. So positive end here. What, so I talked about some of the things that I started to do to help with my burnout feeling. You know, I took this vacation. I, everybody, you know, if your job gives you vacation time and you're one of those people that's like, oh, I can't, you know, I feel bad for my coworkers, blah, blah, blah. Take it. You have been given that vacation time to take care of yourself and because you've earned it. So take it, you know. Um, so that's something I did for myself and, you know, I've just started, I've had to really think about what's causing me to feel this way and it's, it's really shaped the way I handle things at home. So what is something that you do to help or lower the burnout that you're feeling? Um, and what's something that you think other people can improve in environments around them, whether it's specific or general? You know, um, that might also assist in that burnout feeling. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's where we're going to... And what's something you can do to help your coworkers have a better day? Yeah. You know, you, you, we're not, you are not the only one experiencing burnout, you know, or if you think a coworker is having a bad day and you're not, mm-hmm. you know, like, what can you do? You know, I think, I think that self-responsibility is what we need to instill here. Yeah. Cool. So let us know. Comment on my Instagram. Comment on my Facebook page, the Millenniating Facebook page. Yes, like our Facebook page. Tweet at us. That's Millenniating, M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-T-I-N-G. Yeah. Did I get it right? Yeah, I think you did, actually. I think I spell it. I start to spell it differently every single time, and then I remember how to spell it. Oh, it's those two N's in the middle. <laughs> it's the I before the A for me. Ah. That's what gets me in the 18s, <laughs> the I before the A, so... Yeah, so tune into the next episode.
send us your comments below, subscribe, like, all the things. Peace out, folks. Bye.